to John chapter 10, verses 7 to 10. Kids, you can get your stuff if you want. chapter 10, verse 7 and 10, we'll read it in the King James, which will be on the screen. It says, then Jesus, sorry, let's start that again. Then said Jesus unto them again, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. Let's pray one more time together. Jesus. Hallelujah, God, I thank you for your word today. God, I pray that you would God, help us to understand. God, I pray it would be clear. In Jesus' name, God, touch my voice today. God, that it work uh, good. In Jesus' name, I pray God, that it would be clear. God, I pray help us to understand your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, let your will be done. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And you can be seated if you'd like. Um, we said last week that there were uh, seven different times in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am such and such. Or seven different things that Jesus says, I am this. That he says that he is. We talked so far about the bread of life and how he's everything that we need. He nourishes us. He sustains us. He gives us life. And last week uh, we talked about the light of the world. Um, how he shows us our sins so that we can change. He gives us peace and hope and security. And our job, like the moon to the sun, is to reflect that light into the darkness and the world around us. And so this week we come to the third I am in the Gospel of John. I think it's good to study these things because this is how Jesus referred to himself to the people that he ministered to. To show them who he was, to give them an understanding of who he was. So it's good for us sometimes to go through these things and um, help us maybe get a clearer picture of who Jesus is and our, our relationship with him. So, John, this one's gonna. Um, this is very intelligent stuff right here. So, John chapter 10. Are you ready? Hold on to your seats. John chapter 10 is directly after John chapter 9. I know. Did you know that? So in John chapter 9, this is a story. In John chapter 9, there's a story of a blind man who was born blind. Blind from birth. And his disciples brought him to Jesus and they said, Who sinned, this guy or his parents that he was born blind, which doesn't make any sense. Like the guy sinned when he was in the womb, and so he was born blind. I don't know. That's what they thought. So they said, who sinned? And Jesus said, neither. He was born blind so that God could do a work in his life. And that in itself is powerful. And then he says again in chapter 9, he says, I am the light of the world. So he spits on the ground, which 
kind of weird. And he makes a little clay from the dirt and saliva. And he, he puts it on the guy's eyes and he sends the guy to the pool of Siloam and tells him to wash that off. And then when it's washed off, he'll be able to see. So he, Jesus, the guy's never seen Jesus. He's just had a conversation with him and tells him to do this. He goes his way. Jesus doesn't go with him. So um, he washes in the pool and then when he comes up, he can, he can see. And Jesus wasn't there. So this guy has no idea who Jesus is is and um, what he looks like and and people knew this blind guy because back in the day um, if you were blind or lame or anything like that there weren't a lot of jobs for you so you would basically have to beg so people would have seen this guy in the street you know you don't beg on a dead-end street somewhere you beg out in the open in a busy area so people knew who this guy was and they saw him you know, not doing that anymore. And they said, hey, how come you can see now? What happened to you? What is, you know, weren't you blind? Were you faking it? Like, what's going on? And he tells them the story. Like, there was this guy, Jesus. He made some clay, put it on his eyes. He told me to go to the pool and wash. And now I can see. It's amazing. And they said, well, where is this Jesus? And he's like, well, I don't know. I don't know where he is. And, you know, all of this happened on the Sabbath day, of course. Jesus like the ruffle the feathers of the Pharisees. And so um, the people that knew this guy, they brought him to the temple, to the Pharisees, to see, you know, what's going on here? How come this guy can see? And so the blind man tells his story to the Pharisees, and they get all worked up because this was on the Sabbath, and people aren't supposed to be healed on the Sabbath. That's ridiculous. And, and you know, how dare Jesus? He's obviously not of God. He's breaking the rules. And they didn't believe the guy. They thought that the blind man was faking. And so they go and get his parents. And they're like, yeah, he was born blind. You know, this is our son. I don't know how you can see. He's old enough. Ask him. Why are you getting us? Right? Good answers. People were real back then. Right? And so they, they bring the blind guy back, the Pharisees. And um, they try to get him to say that Jesus is a sinner because he healed him on the Sabbath. And he's like, I don't know the man. I don't know this Jesus. All I know is that I was blind and now I can see. And the Pharisees, they get a little more upset. And then the blind guy gets a little sarcastic in the Bible. It's pretty good. He said, isn't this marvelous? That's what he says. You don't know if Jesus is, for God, is from God or not, but he's healed me. We know that God doesn't here sinners, he says. So, but people who do his will, and since the beginning of time, nobody has been born blind that just randomly started to see. So fill in the blanks, right? He just gets like had enough. Like this is a miracle. This is something incredible that's happened to me. And you guys are treating me like whatever. He's like, so if Jesus isn't of God. How did this happen? And then the Pharisees they flip out and they throw him out of the temple. And so Jesus hears about it, and he goes and he finds this blind man, and he tells him who he is. He says, you know, I'm Jesus. And so the guy falls down, and he worships Jesus. And then Jesus starts teaching whoever's around, and he tells a parable about the sheep and the shepherd. And that's where John chapter 10 starts. He tells a parable of the sheep and the shepherd, and nobody gets the parable. 
which is generally what happened. He would present them, and people would be like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then he would explain it later to people who wanted to know. Um, so that makes me feel good, because sometimes people didn't understand what Jesus said. And I feel the same way. But anyways, so he tells them the story of the shepherd. And then we come to our text that we read. So we'll read it again. It says, um, John 10, 7 to 10, it says, Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. Jesus said to people around, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. So this is the third I am. I am the door of the sheep. A sheepfold, the kids have a picture of it. The sheepfold was an area where sheep would spend the night. Jesus talks about it in the parable. We'll read that. Verse um, 1 to 5, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entered not by the door to the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entered in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. When he putteth forth his own sheep, and he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger. So Jesus said the story, and they didn't get it, so he explained it. A sheepfold is where sheep would sleep for the night. It could be a square, a circle, whatever shape, rectangle, whatever. But it was like some stone walls and then a doorway or a, a gate when there was no stones. And um, the only way into that fold was through the door, right? And during the night, the shepherd or a porter sometimes multiple shepherds would share the same folds and one of them would keep watch but there would be a shepherd at the doorway and they would sleep in the doorway and the only way to get into that sheepfold was to go through that shepherd the only way for anyone to go in would be through that shepherd so Jesus makes this third statement he says I am the door of the sheep I am the door the only way he says in is to come through me. And we'll get that to that in a minute. Verse 80 says, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So if Jesus is the door to the, the sheepfold, the only way in is through him. Unless you're a thief or a robber, they couldn't come through the door. They wouldn't come through the door. They'd try to come over the walls, right? If you're going to break into a place without a roof, logically, coming over the walls. But the sheep wouldn't follow these thieves and robbers because they know the voice of the shepherd. You can call to a sheep, but unless you are the shepherd of that sheep, they won't follow you. And this parable, he we went through the whole thing at the beginning because this parable is a direct response to how the Pharisees in the temple treated the former blind beggar. Verse 9, or chapter 9, verse 34 says, They answered him, they being the Pharisees, him being the blind guy, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. That's when they got mad because he was like, Hey, 
You'll figure it out on your own. But Jesus is the God or whatever. And so Jesus finds him and he takes this man that was cast out of the temple and he takes him in, he accepts him, he, he worships Jesus. And he says, these guys, these Pharisees, these other religious leaders, they are thieves and robbers. They aren't the real deal. They are faking it. These false leaders were thieves and robbers. And Jesus uses the shepherd as an illustration because to the Jewish people, a shepherd was any kind of leader. They would use that word to describe a religious leader. They would use it for the king. They were the flock. The king was the shepherd. That was um, a word they used to describe any type of leader. And we know that pastor, the word pastor comes from the word shepherd. I know it's ironic or whatever. It's of our name. It's weird. But a shepherd was supposed to protect the flock. And next week we'll do the, the good shepherd. But... These guys of the temple were not protecting the flock. They rejected a man because he'd been healed on the Sabbath and they threw him out of the temple. They robbed him of being in the presence of God. They robbed him from being in God's house. But when he came to Jesus, he was accepted and welcomed into the fold. Jesus used the term thieves and robbers to describe the Pharisees, but it can also be applied to anyone who's trying to lead with selfish ambition or self-serving um, attitudes. The Pharisees, they were all about politics and control and power. And as a result, they alienated anyone who didn't help them get ahead. The beggar was a good example of how they treated people. This guy was nothing to them, so just get out of the temple. We don't need you. We know that Jesus is different. Anyone trying to lead selfishly is doing wrong. A shepherd is someone who gives himself for the sheep. He will lay down his life. David fought a bear and a lion and all kinds of stuff to protect his sheep. A thief or a robber does everything for himself. That's the way you work for him. And Jesus said in John 10 and 9, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out. And find pasture. The only way into the flock, the only way into the sheepfold, the only way into the kingdom of God is through Jesus. The only way to salvation is through Jesus. There aren't many ways, there aren't many roads, all roads don't lead to heaven. There's one way, one door, and his name is Jesus. Now, as we come through Jesus and the, his sacrifice and his blood that was shed. We are delivered from bondage from the world and we are led into salvation. Jesus said, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. The word saved there means um, literally delivered, safe, and sound. It was a word that people would use to describe someone who had recovered from a severe illness or had come through a bad storm or had survived a war or had been acquitted in court. And that's just what Jesus did. We were sick with sin, destined to die, and he saved us. We were in a world of chaos and storms, and he brought peace. We were in a war for our soul, but he brought us out, and the wages of sin is death. Our penalty was death, but through him, through his blood, through his sacrifice, we have been acquitted and set free. Salvation comes by Jesus and Jesus alone. 
The only way is through him. He said, I am the door. The only way is through him. How do we do that? Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3 and 5, Verily, verily, I say to thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So this is how we come through the door. Through water and spirit, baptism, in Jesus' name, and filling of the Holy Ghost. That's how we enter into the kingdom of God. The only way to be saved is through Jesus. We come into the sheepfold or the kingdom of God through Jesus. And then he says this interesting thing. Does anyone that comes to me will be saved? And that says, go in and out and find pasture. The sheep didn't just stay in the sheepfold. The sheep only went to the sheepfold for the night. They'd spend the night there, but they'd spend the rest of the day out in the pastures, living an abundant life. The sheep stayed within the walls of that fold all the time. They'd run out of food. They'd run out of grass. They'd get sick, and they'd die. And we can apply that to the church. He's brought us in. He's saved us. Now we're part of the flock, but we don't just stay in this building all the time. <laughs> we don't just stay in the church and hide. We live life abundantly, he said. We live life in the pasture. We live life outside of these four walls, right? Amen. Out there. We're a part of his flock. We're a part of the fold. And when the night comes, we are with Jesus and we still follow him. We follow the shepherd, you know. We still follow him. We know his voice, but we live out in the pastures. We work outside of this. We get our groceries. We talk to people. We whatever. We we live outside of this. In Psalm 23, and like Psalm 23, we follow him to whatever pasture he's leading us to. But we aren't saved just to hang out and hide in a little rocked-in area. And hope for the best. Like the moon, this, you know, we're supposed to reflect the, the light of the sun. We're supposed to be reflecting his light. And we're out in the pastures living our life. We can lead others to the door. To our shepherds. So they too can join the flock of the fold. Jesus said you don't light a, a candle and just hide it. That doesn't make any sense. So he doesn't save us so we can just hide out for the rest of our lives. We need to be out there and live our lives and be Jesus to the world, be an example of him to the world. And then he finishes it with this, this little bit in verse 10. It says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. The thief the enemy, these selfish um, religious leaders, or even the devil, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, because the sheep isn't going to follow the voice of another shepherd. The only way is to kill, destroy, or to steal. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. The sheep will never follow another voice. And if we're not careful, we can allow ourselves to be stolen, and that's what the enemy is trying to do, but the thief can't and if the thief can't steal a sheep alive, he'll kill it and steal it. Right? We need to make sure that we are near the shepherd. 
when we're in the fold, while we're out in the pasture, we're all living our lives. We need to make sure that we're near him. We don't get too far off so that something can happen. Um, this, these kind of stories always remind me of the old Bugs Bunny cartoon. Um, Sam, Sheepdog, and Ralph. I was going to get one and play it for you right now if I offend anyone. But uh, I don't know if you've seen them. They're good. There's a sheepdog named Sam, and there's a coyote or wolf or something. I think he's a coyote. He looks like a coyote. Named Ralph. And every day they clock in, and Ralph tries to steal the sheep, and every day Sam blocks them. And morning, Ralph. Morning, Sam. You know how it goes. And he does all kinds of crazy things to try to steal the sheep. Sometimes he dresses up like Sam. Sometimes he dresses up like the sheep. Sometimes... You know, he's using dynamite because that's what they all did back then. <laughs> he spends all day trying to steal this sheep, and that's what the enemy is like. I mean, God and the enemy don't are in a friendly relationship like Ralph and Sam, but he's always trying to steal, and sometimes he'll appear like something else. Sometimes he'll look like a sheep. Sometimes he'll try to look like um, the shepherd. Sometimes... You know, it'll be when you least expect it, or it'll just pop up or whatever. But if we stay near the shepherd, he will protect us. Sam always comes through and big fist to the face or whatever. He's always stopping it from happening. It reminds me of that. So go home and watch some of you want and pray. But the enemy spends the whole day trying to steal the sheep, and the shepherd protects him. He keeps thwarting his plans. And and that's what the enemy does, but like the true shepherd, Jesus has come to save, protect. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He says, Jesus accepts us like he did with the blind beggar that the Pharisees threw out of the temple, like he did with the woman caught in adultery, like he did with the woman at the well that had five husbands and she was on another one to her next one. And it was people, people judged her and nobody wanted give her any time of day and like Zacchaeus who was you know a tax collector his own people hated him but Jesus said I'm coming to your house today like he did with Saul and then who later became Paul like he did with you and me he accepts us and we're not perfect but he allows us into the fold as long as we come through him it's the only way and he said, I have come that they may have life and they might have it more abundantly. So not only does Jesus come to save us, but he comes to give us life and life more abundantly. If we can compare it with the other famous shepherd sheep passage in the Bible, Psalm 23, David says in verse 5, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Let's just do the bare minimum. There's more and over Flows. His blessings are more than we could ever ask for or imagine. Trisha. Abundant life starts with everlasting life. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He came to save and give everlasting life. And thieves and and robbers and false teachers and the Pharisees and the world, whatever, only offer temporary, shallow life. But through Jesus, through salvation, by us coming to Him and going through, we have life 
everlasting, abundant life, overflowing life. The Bible says joy unspeakable and full of glory. We have freedom. We have blessing. We have love, forgiveness, mercy, and grace for every time we fall and fail. Before Jesus, it was dark and hopeless, but through him we have all of these things. When we come to Jesus, we come through the door, we gain a heavenly view. Romans 12 and 2 says our minds are renewed and transformed. Everything is different when we become part of his kingdom. And there's hope. And no matter how bad this looks, no matter how bad this gets, all this talk going around about masks and vaccinations and the mark of the beast and all this end of the world and corruption and whatever and politics and all this stuff. There's so much stuff and all of it's depressing and hopeless. No matter how bad all of this looks, we have the hope of heaven. If we go through that door, through the door of the sheepfold and through Jesus, we have hope that goes above and beyond all of the stuff of the world. Because right now it looks hopeless. But we have a hope in Him. And if we live our lives in that knowledge, in that faith, in that hope, we live it abundantly. When people around us seem like they don't have any hope, and life drags them down, that's not so with a Christian believer. Because I have abundant life through Jesus. All this stuff is going to pass away. All this stuff is going to perish. But there's a hope I have in Him. He is the door into freedom. He is hope. He is peace. And He is salvation. So this morning as we, as we stand, and we take some time and pray, this morning let's come to the door. Spiritually speaking, I'm going to cry by the actual door. I should have your mask on. Well, let's come to the door. Let's come to Jesus this morning. Maybe it will be the first time that you've ever done it. There's salvation through the door. That man is born of the water and the spirit. Salvation through the door. We repent and we're baptized in His name and filled with the Spirit. And maybe you've already been part of the flock or the fold for a while. But Jesus says they, they come in and out and they go in and out and they find pasture. So let's just go in through the door again one more time today. Let's get into His presence and let's worship Him. Let's thank Him for salvation. Thank Him for that hope that we have. Thank Him for that life that He's given us and life more. Yeah, let's stand this morning. Let's let's pray. Let's go through that door. Let's go to Jesus today. I hope that was clear and made sense. You can hear me with my voice. As my wife plays, and let's just let's just take some time this morning and pray. Come to Jesus. He said, "I am." Door. Doors are meant to, to go through. That's why they're there. That's like be a wall. So let's come to him.
Let's get into his presence this morning. Jesus.